Well, let's get to this because we've been watching it for a number of months now. And yes, Pierre Polyev, now officially the leader of the federal conservatives. The longtime MP cruised to victory with a blowout that saw him capture nearly all of the country's 338 ridings, nearly reached the 70% support mark from party members. So he enjoyed the support of 62 out of the party's other 118 MPs during the leadership campaign. Now today, Mr. Polyev addressed the National Conservative Caucus for the first time since securing the party's leadership. He said he wants Canadians to realize their dreams in this country. He says he wants every single Canadian to have the same opportunity that he had to come from modest beginnings and have their hard work and sacrifices pay off. He said under his leadership, the federal Conservatives will never accept any new tax increases and says he's willing to work with what he is willing to work uh, with what he called the, quote, radical woke coalition between the Liberals and the NDP, but... But there will be no compromise on this point. Conservatives will not support any new tax increases and we will fight tooth and nail to stop the coalition from introducing any. So that was Pierre Polyev just a short time ago. So what does the party look like moving forward? Let's get into it. Dr. Lydia Miljohn, who's a professor of political science at the University of Windsor. Welcome back to the show, Lydia. Hi, Jalen. Nice to be here. Nice to talk with you again. Not that big of a surprise that he won, all things considered. And you were looking at the numbers going into all of this. No, not surprised that he won, um, but a little bit surprised at how definitive it was, especially with the first ballot victory. Mm -hmm. You know, this is a, a best-case scenario for him because he, he can show that he didn't have to compromise, that he really trounced all his opponents. I mean, Jean Charest um, only got one, it was sort of tipped over the edge in five ridings in Quebec. So clearly, Polyev can not only say he's got the membership, but he, he has support from across the country. So what does this say about unity in this party now, uh, Dr. Miljohn? We've, we've, we've heard this, um, this conversation over the past couple of years when Andrew Scheer got punted, when Aaron O'Toole got punted about unity. Does this give them, it, does this result show unity at this point? Absolutely. Uh, you know, the problem for both Andrew Scheer and Aaron O'Toole is that they didn't win on the first ballot. You know, in the case of Andrew Scheer, I think it was the 13th ballot. So, yeah. Uh, Aaron O'Toole was a little bit less than that. But, you know, they weren't they weren't the party's first choice. They were compromised candidates. And so when you're a compromised candidate, you don't have that moral authority to govern. That is certainly not the case with Mr. Polyev. Not only did he win handily, but he did so attracting new voters. And I think that's really important that you know he he signed up I think the claim he signed up about 350,000 new members of the party that is not insignificant and so it really shows that he can appeal to both people who had already been in the party but draw in new voters and that's really key to any electoral success. And so I think there was a poll done last week that showed he only had about a 23 percent favorability rating among all voters across the country and I got if you look at these numbers and again yeah inside you know with conservative voters those who cast the, the ballots in the leadership vote you know um, breaks down to about five percent of all conservative voters and I think 1.1 percent of all eligible voters in the country. Um, 
so what happens from here? What does he need to do? And we, I think we kind of heard it in his speech on, on Saturday, but what does he need to do to attract more people to the conservative tent? I think what he had been doing throughout the summer, I mean, you know, success is an amazing motivator. It, it, it's clear that he is able to attract new people. And let's face it, not all Canadians vote either. So mm-hmm. he doesn't have to go after every Canadian. He has to go after pockets of Canadians who are open to his message. And I think, you know, throughout his campaign and with his discussion, he, he you know, the cryptocurrency thing, I think, you know, pundits, you know, laughed at it and they mocked him. But it, it was very calculated. You know, when he's talking in cryptocurrency, he's talking to a younger generation. Yeah. He's talking to people who are open to those ideas. Sure, it's not for everybody, but he's showing a group of Canadians that are usually marginalized or not taken seriously that he's got their back. He's also focusing on younger people when he talks about housing and affordability mm-hmm. and getting out of your parents' basement. That resonates with a lot of people and a lot of new people who might not necessarily have voted Conservative in the past. And then finally, he's really focusing on new immigrants and suburban voters. I it wasn't, you know, it was completely planned on Saturday night that he, that his wife introduced him mm. and she began with her narrative of being an immigrant to Canada, her family struggle of, you know, her father starting off as a businessman in Venezuela and then had to do laboring jobs here in Canada and working paycheck to paycheck. So I think all of those things, people can, re- people, it's relatable. And I think his message resonates with people and he's certainly um, contrasting his background uh, with that of the prime minister and and really to show that the prime minister is out of touch and elite whereas he is someone who who really came from humble roots i mean he's he's the he's the son of an unwed mother who and, and young mother who had to give him up for adoption and and he's he's very proud of the fact that he was raised by two teachers so those are all really um important messages that he gets out in the first you know his first introduction to the canadian electorate uh, a federal election could be still a couple of years away so there's going to be uh, lots of time to see uh, Polyev and Trudeau uh, go head-to-head in in the House, which I can't wait to see, to be honest with you. I can't wait to see uh, what how this unfolds, how this looks like over the coming uh, year or two. Has Trudeau met his match? Well, you know, in the short term, it certainly looks like that. Uh, Trudeau is very much back-footed today, in part because he couldn't do his big announcement over the weekend that he had planned, or at least last week, with um, the NDP leader, Jagmeet Singh. I think they were planning to, to show that they had some movement on their dental plan policy, but they were sidelined by the, the passing of the Queen. Um, but then today, Trudeau is now saying that he's going to deal with inflation and cost of living. Well, those are things that, you know, Paul Dave has been talking about all summer, um, last last summer when we had our election you know it was it was uh trudeau who said he didn't worry about monetary policy well clearly now he is worrying about monetary policy and i think that's a direct result of pierre polyev's definitive victory on the weekend uh, dr miljohn you have roots in alberta and i'm wondering if you have any thoughts on on what uh, polyev's um victory as uh, as leader of of the conservative party might mean for our province 
Well, I think that it, 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 it's positive. It does remind me sort of, you know, both of um, Stephen Harper becoming leader of the Conservative Party of Canada, but also before that, you know, Preston Manning's um, talk about the West wants in and the Reform Party roots. You know, it's, it's not lost on me that that he, he was able to get a lot of support from Western Canada, in particular Alberta. Um, the, the concern was that he was only going to get the Western-based support. So, so the fact that he was able to reach outside of Alberta shows that his message resonates with those outside the province. And I think that should give some comfort to people in, in Alberta that they're not alone, that there are people across the country that share the same frustrations with the federal government and, you know, want to, to have change in a direction that's much more sustainable for our fiscal coffers. Always great to talk with you. Thanks for making time for us this afternoon. My pleasure, Jalen. Always nice to be here. Yeah, we'll talk to you again soon. Dr. Lydia Miljohn joining us this afternoon. She's a poli-sci prof at the University of Windsor. So the clock is kicking, click, ticking down uh, to when the House of Commons is set to resume. That happens on September 20th. So a lot of pieces have to be put in place as uh, the, uh, the official opposition. Um, you know, the right people get put in the right spot. Who is the, who's going to be there? What what does that look like? So looking forward to that, um, he's going to have to decide who his critics are going to be. No shortage of people to choose from. As I mentioned, 62 out of the other 118 Conservative MPs backed him in the race, so he's got uh, a lot to pick from. It's 317, so what does it mean for Alberta? Well, in his victory speech, he did touch on energy and energy production. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.